into the contest. It is Friday, the 3rd of November. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Shane, of course, uh, Mossman was one of your uh, very important cricket clubs. Uh, you, you finished your career there, you captained the club, and you're back there today. I am, mate, for the Mossman uh, annual cricket lunch, and uh, mm. I'm, I'm in some sort of official capacity there. I'm interviewing uh, guest speakers Mark War, Simon Kadich, and, and my good mate Richard Cheekwee. So that should be a bit of fun. We'll be asking Kadich all things about Michael Clark, etc., and, and Mark War probably about, <laughs> we'll probably get some racing tips from him. But uh, yeah, I go along too because my Mossman first grade and club record, the highest score, was beaten last weekend. Uh, I, did, I did hold it for about 26 years. It was 210 not out. And Peter Forrest surpassed me, mate, 211 not out. So I'll be congratulating him today as well. How old's Pete now? Because he played a lot of his cricket at Hawkesbury, didn't he, Peter Forrest? And of course, went on to play for New South Wales. Yeah, he's got to be in his mid-30s, I- I'm, I'm yeah. guessing. Um, but yeah, a very, very good player. And yeah, Mossman scored, you know, after winning first and second grade last year, um, they scored 525 on the weekend. So they're, they're in very good form, the Wales. Fantastic cricket club. So we wish them all the best. I hope they raise plenty of money, mate. It's Friday. That means we'll have Shad Wicker on the show uh, to talk American footy, NBA and the Rugby League World Cup. Melbourne comedian Luca Muller also joins us to talk World Game and of course we're not far away from the World Cup. There's EPL, there's Champions League, there's a stack. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. Whether it's for early morning coffee and pastries, long business lunches or post-work cocktails, head to District Brasserie in Sydney CBD. With a modern Australian menu created to hero locally sourced produce and a unique offering of charred meats cooked on a custom-built charcoal oven. Situated on the ground floor of Chifley Tower, District Brasserie is open from 6.30am Monday to Friday for breakfast, lunch and dinner. District Brasserie. Sophisticated yet casual. Afternoon, sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com. I love a Friday because I talked to my good mate Shad Wicker, Brisbane comedian, how are you, brother? Mate, I'm doing well, Tim. I'm doing well. I had to fill in for your chair yesterday, but it was an absolute pleasure, never a chore. How are you feeling? Yeah, no, I'm great. I'm absolutely wonderful. And um, I love uh, this Ben Simmons story. It's a journalist delight. He just <sighs> he, he just never leaves the front pages, does he? Man, this is one of the most embarrassing moments for the Brooklyn Nets. They are an absolute basket case, dude. They're your it's team, on right they? now. They are my team, <sighs> yes, which just follows a theme in my life of all of my teams breaking my heart consistently. What are they called? The, they called the Brooklyn Dolphins? <laughs> Red Cliff will do it for you next year. Don't oh, worry. shut up, you lot. Look, we're talking basketball. We're talking the Brooklyn Nets. They are woeful at the moment. They've had two wins all year. They're mm. disgusting. They've just sacked their coach, Steve Nash, because he hasn't got control 
control of the locker room. They've got KD and Kyrie wanting to leave. And now the latest rumour mill has said that the Brooklyn Nets are already like about 10 games into the season, shopping Ben Simmons around to move him <laughs> on. Can you believe Where it? Where to? Do you reckon Illawarra Hawks? Mate, a dead set. <laughs> I think that's the only people they're going to be buying right now. Like that is – he is – like, look, he's not the only reason that this team is playing so badly, but the reason they got him – was because they were like, we need to shore up our defense yep. a bit better. Yeah, he can't shoot, but we've got shooters all over the court. Well, the Brooklyn Nets at the moment, their shooting percentage is less than 50% on average mm. at the moment. It's so bad. KD and Kyrie are still playing great, but there's no way they're stopping the baskets right now. Uh, ben Simmons has been embarrassed, and he is uh, going to miss at least two more games with a sore knee. Yeah. Oh, you can't shoot. You've, you haven't played for nearly two years. Now you're injured again. You should not be playing basketball mm. anymore. The Nets have just ruined their chances this year. I know it's so early. You've got 150,000, 250,000 games in an NBA season. But this is looking so bad. Mm. The Brooklyn Nets are no hope for the playoffs right now. I've got no confidence in it's this pretty team. sad. I think uh, the one thing you know about American sport, you you may get one one one. Other chance, you don't get two over yeah. there. And if, if he gets sold here, or I don't know anyone who will buy him at the moment, but uh, Irony's career is in real big trouble. You know who might buy him? And this sounds nuts. And and like I dismissed these um these talks ages ago, but Russell Westbrook, who is doing nothing for the Lakers mm. right now, the Lakers are desperate to move him on. He's only got one year left on his contract, and then whoever trades for him, he's gone. The Lakers are willing to give up a first-round pick, the rumour says, in order to move him on. So, like, they'll give you us for Westbrook and a first-round pick, which at the moment looks like it'll be a pretty good pick because the Lakers are bad as well. You, I would, would not be surprised if they send Simmons, who's part of Clutch Sports, which is LeBron's mm. company, goes over to the Lakers and the and the Nets say, hey, we'll take that contract and we'll take Russell Westbrook. The only issue there is him and KD might not get along. So Yeah. What about Washington Commanders? They're up for sale. Mate, I mean, have you guys got a spare three, four billion dollars? I reckon we could probably get in on this. No, I, I did before the <laughs> Melbourne Cup. <laughs> yeah. Mate, uh, this is an interesting one. I mean, look, you could spend days on it, but the Washington Commanders, they obviously changed their team name. It's pr- pretty funny that the Washington, D.C. team's nickname's the Commies. But anyway, we won't get into that. But they um, mm. they have had so much controversy. Dan Snyder, the owner, has been in heaps of trouble that the NFL owners were on, on the verge of voting him out, which means he would be forced to sell. He's tried to get ahead of it and has now announced that they're trying to sell the team now. Um, and looking for people that want to buy it. Add another spanner into the works. They're now being investigated by the FBI and the IRS for fraud, tax evasion, and stealing money from the NFL. So he's trying to sell this team before he gets in massive Mm. legal problems right now. Mm. Um, Some of the names that have been thrown around that could buy this team is fascinating. Jeff Bezos. Wow. Wow. Has been trying to get a team. He's bought the rights to Thursday Night Football from the NFL, and the rumor mill is that he will pay overs to get this team, uh, the Washington Commanders. So watch this space. Looks like Amazon could be owning an NFL team in the next month or so. It's only a matter of time. Now, listen, the Rugby League World Cup has been a, a, well, a bit of a debacle so far. It hasn't been too many great games, but I think there is a cracking game coming up, Tonga v Samoa. Oh, this has to be game of the round. I think yeah, we all marked this in the calendar yep. that this was going to be the matchup mm. in the quarterfinals, and this should be one of the better matchups. 
we'll see until obviously the next round when we get the semis and the big dogs play each other. Mm. It makes you wonder about the Rugby League World Cup. I mean, last last time when it was played down here, like uh, it didn't feel like there were this many blowouts. In fact, there were more upsets. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like what has happened because we've got more NRL players playing across different teams. Surely we should see a bit more parity. I think the pools were matched up wrong. Okay. I think I think there yeah. might have been a bit of a however they put that together wasn't quite the right way they wanted it. Um, but, yeah, this Tonga-Samoa game, look, you know, we talk about rivalries in all sorts of sports. These guys love playing each other. I can't wait to see the Sipitao take on the Samoan Hucker as well. It's going to be such a spectacle. It's at 12.30 in the morning on Monday. My hot tip for this one, boys, is obviously I want Matema Tonga to get up uh, over Samoa to get through to the mm. next round. I think they will. I think they will as well. They had their biggest win ever, that 92-point bloody haul uh, against the Cook Islands, and Jason Tomalolo scored two tries. My hot tip, the line at the moment is four and a half. Uh, Tonga minus four and a half. I'd go minus four and a half in the Tomalolo to score a try. I think that's where there might be a bit of a shake-up between these two squads. Um, and, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game of footy. All the other ones, I mean, I know your boys from Lebanon are going to be playing Australia uh, Saturday morning, but this is this is going to be something else. Oh, this will be a cracking game, but they've done well, Lebanon. And, they, look, Australia should and probably will win that game. But you think of the clash with New Zealand. They took it to them, didn't they? So they're, they're, they're a credible football team. No, no, they're not. And look, and, and just getting back to what you're talking about, and we'll wrap it up at Samoa and Tonga, it's something that I've been banging on for a number of years about. That is where rugby league, the Australian government, New Zealand government need to spend money in the South Pacific. They've got to play every yeah, year. Yeah, but they also, they but they also need year. to support the countries as well because lots of them live in third world and support them because they support what we are as a game. You know what I mean? And that's mm. where the future of international rugby league is. It'll be a cracker. I really think that the you know the four nations that we were doing for a little bit mm. before COVID, I think that's going to be six nations. I think we're yeah. really looking at we're going to have PNG, Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, Australia, New Zealand – playing nearly every year for an exciting contest at the end of the year. I think it's something that's going to end up happening. Quick note for your Lebanon team before we go. I have a theory that coaching rugby Mm. league must be the easiest job in the world. And the reason (laughs) is because Checker, who is the coach of the Lebanon side, 48 hours after Lebanon play uh, the Kangaroos, has to go over and coach Los Pumas against the (laughs) England rugby side, Mm. which makes you think, everyone goes, geez, what a hard worker. It actually makes me think that coaching rugby league must be very easy. Yeah, cut and paste, cut (laughs) and paste. You know, you know, you know what it is, and this is the answer to it. Is and all the best have been this way. Once they get to that stage, it's about man management. It's about yeah, leadership, and that's yeah. what he's good at. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, it's what it's yeah. what Wolfie did with Tonga, and I think if Lebanon's got yep. that in Checker, sign him long term and watch the watch your team grow. Sign him up over a, uh, a tabbouleh chicken gherkin <laughs> with a little yeah, bit the, of garlic. Yeah, the and contract will get signed. Two AM out the front of a kebab <laughs> shop is where the contract signed in garlic sauce. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. See ya. See ya, lads. Up next on Afternoon Sport, it's Melbourne comedian Luca Muller. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers 
and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. We absolutely adore a Friday, don't we? We love it, and that means Melbourne comedian Luca Muller joins us. Luca, how are you? Good, mate. Good, good, good. How are you? Luca, we are well, mate. Um, let's start off with the Champions League, uh, the midweek results. Liverpool uh, handed a... a- well, handed a defeat to, to Napoli for the first time this year. Yeah, absolutely. This is the last round of uh, the group stage matches in the Champions League there. And Liverpool bounced back from very patchy form at the moment. They lost to Leeds in the Premier League and then they come back mm. and looked great in a win against Napoli. And yeah, they're the first team to beat Napoli in any competition this year. So very surprising stuff there, but good for Liverpool, I suppose. Back on track. Uh, we also saw exciting stuff from Tottenham. They needed a win to get through to the mm. to the knockout stages. <laughs> to win. I mean, they've been in such... They've had a bit of a shit fight, <laughs> yeah, haven't they? Tottenham? the shit fight didn't quite end. They got a 95th minute winner uh, against Marseille oh. there, so just mm. got the chockies right at the end. Uh, what else we see? We saw Ange Postacoglu's Celtic bow out after losing 5-1 to last year's winners, Real Madrid. Um, they put up some valiant fights, but in the end, they're probably just not at the level to really yeah. compete in the Champions League, but good to see them there either way. And Ange is keeping them pretty steady back in their home league in Scotland. They're still uh, leading the ladder back there. We also saw Barcelona and Atletico Madrid drop out, which is pretty surprising this early in the competition. But I think it'll be very interesting to see the second half, the knockout stage of this competition, because it's going to be after the World Cup and after all that. So I think a lot of teams will be very different. You never know what's going to happen with Mm. injuries and, you know, who's going to be too tired from the World Cup and all this stuff. So it's going to look like a whole new competition uh, when that restarts in January, I think. Oh, absolutely. And uh, some intriguing uh, matchups in the Premier League. Arsenal out on top, but when you're out on top... Everyone's coming to get you. And Chelsea's got some real momentum, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. Arsenal uh, looking to keep their top spot there against Chelsea, who are in sixth place, but they're looking pretty Mm. solid at the moment. They've won two in a row and they're undefeated in four. It's a classic battle of very strong offensive team in Arsenal against a very strong defensive team in Chelsea. Pretty interesting matchup there. We've got Man United, uh, who've definitely righted the ship after a very, very shaky start to the season. Uh, They're playing against Aston Villa, who play for the first time under their new manager, Unai Emery, who interestingly sets a, uh, a world record of sorts I suppose he becomes the first ever person to manage all three teams with Villa in their name so he's managing Aston Villa now he's just come from Villarreal and a few years ago he was at Sevilla so you good go. on you know next Villawood detention centre <laughs> it's just being paid well. We're going to camp, boys. We're going to camp. <laughs> what, what, what about what about Spurs and Liverpool? They've got a busy schedule, Spurs. Yeah, absolutely. So, like we were just saying, Liverpool very up and down at the moment. Spurs in need of a win. Um, if both teams get their season right, they could knock on the door for Champions League qualification in the top four there. But they'll definitely need to win these points here. It's going to be a big game. That's the last game of the weekend. I'll be keeping an eye on that one for sure. Now, Luke, uh, the World Cup, Soccer World Cup, or Football World Cup, as they say in most parts of the world, uh, is only three weeks away. Uh, the Afternoon Sports Group, we've been uh, approved as one of the official uh, podcasters to be on the ground over there, which is exciting. But what, oh, what conditions... Do you- when do we leave, Shane? Well, we're, we're, we're working on that now. We're just trying to organise flights, guys. So leave, leave that with me. <laughs> 
beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what conditions can we expect out of the event? Obviously, pretty bloody hot, I'm assuming. Yeah, very hot, very hot. So this is all coming from a report from uh, the England uh, team's sort of fan group. Uh, they sent a few people over to do a bit of a bit of a recce mission, have a look around on the ground in Qatar, see what it's going to be like for accommodation, booze, watching the games, all that sort of stuff, right? And it's a very interesting findings. There's been a few reports about the weird accommodation situations. Mm. Apparently about 80% of the hotel rooms have been taken up by FIFA, either for the players or for, uh, you know, who knows what with their sort of shady dealings that they get up to. <laughs> but uh, not many hotel rooms available. So they've brought in a few temporary cruise ships, which will sit about an hour's commute away from uh, from most of the stadiums there. Apparently that's the best option. Oh, love, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but see, this is, this is the thing when you have these big events, whether they be Olympic Games or World Cups, and look, let's just park everything political to one side. As soon as a first ball is kicked in anger, that's all the consideration will be. All all people will focus on is who beat who, how they won, and where they're going to. It, it happens all the time, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think the focus will be on the football, which will be good when it rolls around. But, uh, yeah, interesting experience for the fans over there. So, obviously, a bit of trouble mm. finding accommodation. There's a few different options out there. There's tents and cabins and stuff. And then, obviously, alcohol is illegal. Uh, you know, normally I'm out. getting I'm out. on the piss, that might be. <laughs> That's normally a big part of a tournament like that or something. They have uh, they've put in a few asterisks, so drinking is available to a few people. These are the places you could drink, right? There's a few hotels dotted around town where they're going to allow these five and four star hotels. Yep. Uh, apparently, the average cost of a pint is going to be about 20 to 25 Australian dollars over there. So, uh, get the wallet ready, Shane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a few fan zones as well, which is good, where there's sort of, uh, you know, outdoor music festival type vibe, a uh, bit of shade and a few drinks there. There's also, I don't really know what's going on with this, but there's daily raves happening from 10 a.m. to 5 a.m. the next day. Costs about $100 entry, but you can drink all day at that. So, maybe that's more you'll see in Shane. Oh, what do you reckon? Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> Shane, will, Shane will remember this well. He was playing, obviously, I was, I was a, a journalist, 1996 Cricket World Cup in Lahore, Pakistan, India. We both had to write down that we were functioning alcoholics <laughs> just to get a drink. Do you remember that? Do, do you remember mate. the declaration you had to write? I thought Lahore was a French word before I went there. <laughs> yeah, that takes us into a whole new realm. Um, but it is, it, it is exciting. A, a lot of uh, guys I was chatting with yesterday were big big fans of soccer and they were speculating about how can Australia go what happens if they do this or do that um, they, they're in a difficult pool yeah very difficult pool France, Denmark, Tunisia uh, I think Tunisia and Denmark will be the ones where we're particularly pushing to get the points there possibly get a win against Tunisia and Denmark if we can hold on to a draw maybe we might uh, stand a chance but yeah Graham Arnold and the boys have got big tests big tests coming up for them uh, Yeah, and Luke just quickly uh who are you predicting? Who's going to be in the final of the Soccer World Cup and who do you think is going to win? I think we're going to see Argentina and France in the final. Okay. I think both teams are shaping up super, super well. And I love the story of that. If Messi can get one last shot at winning a uh, World Cup, he's never done so in his career. This will be his last one in sort of uh, at the peak or peak-ish of his career. He's obviously getting a little bit older. Um, so I'd love to see him in there. And I think they stand a pretty good chance. I think we'll be down to those two teams and I'd be leaning towards Barcelona. Maybe that's the uh, romantic storytelling side of me, but I can see it happening. Now, Luca, uh, you are one of Australia's premier comedians, mate. Where can people see you this weekend? Oh, yes, yes. I'll be uh, at the Comics Lounge this weekend and at Comedy Republic as well. Um, all sorts of gigs coming up there all through November and December. So, yeah, check me out. I'll be in Melbourne for the rest of the year. Should be good. Got on you, Luca. Cheers, fellas. Talk to you soon. 
That is it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Big thank you to both Luca Muller and Chad Wicker and our sponsors. Fantastic sponsors, Barclay, Pierce Capital. They're only a phone call away. And our wonderful producer, Mr. Dan McHugh. We are back on board on Monday to do it all again. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Join us for our Afternoon Sport Racing Bulletin brought to you by Bluebet. What I'm backing and why. Tim Gilbert is joined by racing journalist Matt Jones and professional punter Brad Miller discussing which horses they'll be betting on this weekend and why. Catch the show Friday afternoons ready for your weekend of punting. Subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast app. What I'm backing and why. Happy punting.